Today is part seven of our series called People of the Kingdom. And today we're going to begin focusing on, on the way that the people of God are to walk. The way that we are to walk and live for God. We've been focusing on God's work for us. Now we're going to talk about our walk for Him. So here in Ephesians chapter 4, we begin to make our shift from God's work to our walk. And we're putting up on the wall each, each week this new word that we're kind of focusing on, the key topics and, and themes of Ephesians. And the key word today is unified. We're going to be talking about being unified today. So Paul is writing from prison and he says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Completely patient. Completely bearing with each other in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Would you pray with me? Father, we're your church. We belong to you. This is your word. And your word tells us that your spoken word, written in the scriptures, Lord, is sharp like a two-edged sword. And I pray, Father, that you will use your word to, to divide and, and cut away anything that's not true in our lives. And help us to rise to a new level. Help us rise up and be more and more like you. So Lord, we lift your word to you. We ask that your Holy Spirit take it and and use it in our lives. To show us where we are and where we need to be. I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Well, this scripture teaches... That the people of God's kingdom around the globe are unified by three things. First of all, write this one down. We are unified as Christians by a specific calling. No matter where we live around the world, the people of God's kingdom are unified by a specific calling. Paul writes in verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. People of the kingdom are unified by a specific calling. First of all, one that is from God himself. A calling that came from God to you. Now the word calling is an old word that just really just stands for vocation, profession, or occupation. Paul is saying live a life that is worthy of the vocation, the profession, the occupation that you have received from God. Now, God may have built you and gifted you and called you to a specific occupation. Maybe that of a teacher. Maybe that of a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, a doctor, a nurse, a caregiver, an office administrator. And even though you are to live a life worthy of those vocations, those professions, whatever it is that God called you to do in life, I want you to know that is not what Paul is talking about here. Paul is saying... Live a life worthy of the high calling you have received. 
Live a life worthy of the upward calling that you have received. Live a life worthy of the kingdom calling that you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling to join God's forever family that you have received. You see, the highest calling you can ever respond to is to join God's family through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Highest calling you can ever respond to. The highest calling you can ever commit your life to is following Jesus Christ day by day. Highest calling. And joining God's forever family through this relationship with Jesus Christ is the high calling, listen, that you have received from God. God knew that you would be here right here and now. God knows every hair on your head. God knows your name. He knew the name that you would be called and the the parents that you'd be born from before he created anything. And he decided then to give you this high calling to be a part of him, to be a part of his forever kingdom. You see, the Bible teaches it's his will that none perish. Amen? Oh, help me out. You're kind of slow this morning. Amen? Amen. His will that not one single person on this planet perish. That they have to live in eternal separation from God in hell forever. It is his will that all of us have eternal life. The people of the kingdom are unified around this specific calling. And then it's a calling. It's one that requires a specific kind of living. The calling comes from God And God requires a certain kind of living. You know, in every vocation, profession, occupation, there are guidelines to follow. Guidelines that help every professional produce the very best product possible. But also guidelines that keep that professional in a position, here it is, of blamelessness, of above reproach. Folks, your high calling also requires a specific kind of living. God says in the very first chapter of Ephesians, He chose us to be holy and blameless in His sight. Doesn't matter what everybody else thinks, but He calls us to be holy in His sight. Blameless in His sight. He's called you to live this holy, blameless life as a Christian. Are you? Can you say that your life today is pure? That it's without spot? That it is holy in His sight? Can you say that your life under the microscope of God is blameless? You see, that's what He's called you to. That's what He chose you to be. Are you living up to this high calling? The calling to be a part of God and His forever family. Are you living up to that calling? You see, the Bible says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is that God came and God became flesh. And God, Jesus, lived a sinless life. And God then gave Himself on the cross for each one of us. And he said, I'll take the payment for your sin. I love you so much. I'll take it all for you. And through me, if you come and follow me, you can have life eternal. That's the gospel. Are you living up 
to that gospel. The Bible says, live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, in everything you do. The Bible goes on and says, live lives worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and His glory. Folks, God has called you and me to live a life that is worthy of His great call. He's given us a new life here and now. He's giving us a better life, but He wants to give us a life eternal. But we've got to live a life that's worthy of the calling we've received. Once again, are you? Can you say that your conduct, your behavior is worthy of his high calling? Can you say this morning that your service for him is worthy of his high calling? Are you really using your gifts and your time and your talents to serve God in some way? Or are you just attending church once in a while and kind of going through the Christian routine? Can you say that your generosity to his work is worthy of his calling? Are you tossing a buck or two bucks or five dollars or ten dollars in the offering plate and calling it good, but withholding what God has asked you to give, which is ten percent of your income, the first and the best of your income? Are are you giving to God in a way that says, your calling is so awesome, God. There's no way I'm ever going to hold anything back from you. I'll do whatever you ask. Are you living in a way that's worthy of his calling? Then what about your attitudes? What about your thought life? Are your thoughts worthy of his calling? Can you say that your language is worthy of his calling? I mean, when you really get ticked. Anybody want to be honest and say you struggle there? When you really get ticked. Is your language worthy of his calling? Are you living up to the calling you've received? The people of the kingdom of God, you see, are to live different than the people who are not yet part of the kingdom of God. And the Bible tells us, says right here, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, sexual impurity, sexual debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. And Paul says, and I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this, look at this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who belong to Christ Jesus... Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Once again, are you living a life that's worthy of the high calling you have received? We need to walk in a way that's worthy. Maybe you want to scribble this down somewhere. High callings requires careful walkings. High callings requires careful walkings. A lot of years ago, uh, Shirley and I hadn't been married long, and uh, my brother-in-law and I decided on a Sunday afternoon to go to a river in Kansas and uh, do some, some fishing. And so we walked through the woods, and we went down to the river. We tossed our lines into the river, and 
Nothing was biting. No fish were biting. And, and so we finally gave up. And we decided we walked back through the woods. And on our way back, we saw this huge tree. And somebody had uh, taken two befores and cut them and nailed them into the tree as a ladder into the tree and had built a, a deer stand to hunt deer out of in the very top of the tree. And so uh, we looked at each other and said, hey, let's go up and take a look around. And so my brother-in-law, he you know, scales right up the two befores, jumps in the, in the deer stand and said, Larry, come on up. And so I start my way up. I get clear to the top. I get to the last two before nailed in the tree. I get my leg up like this, and this two before comes out of the tree, and so did me. <laughs> Fifteen feet. I fell. My sleep, my feet hit a, hit a slick, a little slope, hit my butt, doubled over, broke my, uh, what do you call these, ribs? Broke a rib and uh, had a concussion for several days. And that's when I learned the truth about high callings require careful walkings. <laughs> you see, if you don't walk carefully, you may find yourself falling drastically. I have known far too many Christians. I have known far too many pastors who didn't walk carefully. And they found themselves falling drastically. High callings, and we've got a high calling, amen, requires careful, careful walking. The people of the kingdom are unified by this calling that comes from God and a specific way to live. But then we're also unified, people around the world, Christians around the world, we're unified by this specific character, a certain kind of character. Now, when you go to Disneyland, you see Mickey and Minnie and all kinds of characters walking around. And... The people inside those costumes took the job at Disney. And when they took that job at Disney, they were agreeing to act like Minnie or Mickey or, or whatever. They agreed to take on that character. And when you decided to become a Christian, you also agreed to take on a character different than your own. To take on the character of Jesus Christ. And here in Ephesians, Paul is reminding these young Christians in this church that he started... Not only what the character of Jesus looks like, but that living like Jesus is the thing that keeps Christians and churches in unity, locally and globally. You see, people of the kingdom can live in unity when they live like Jesus. So Paul says this to them, be completely humble. How many of you can say that you're completely humble? Still working on it? <laughs> Be completely humble, completely gentle, completely patient. Anybody want to confess that you're not there yet? <laughs> All right, I'm there. Got to be completely patient, bearing with one another in love. People of the kingdom are unified by a specific character. It's one that's humble and gentle. Now, being humble and gentle is, is not a demonstration of weakness. Humility is displayed when you could use your power to get your way. But instead, you choose to keep your power under wraps, under control. And you step aside and admit that you don't know everything. And instead of lecturing, you take a learning posture. And you see others as more important than yourself. Gentleness is displayed when you could use your power. 
to get your way, but you choose to keep your power under control and care more about the well-being of others than yourself. A Christ-like character, folks, is power under control instead of power out of control. And that the, the greatest example is on the cross. Here we have Jesus, God Almighty, in the flesh. People spitting on him and whipping him and thrusting a crown of thorns on his head and nailing him to the cross. And as God, Almighty, God divine, no lack of power, he kept his power under control. He demonstrated humility and gentleness. But our world is filled with examples of power out of control. You just listen to the news and you're going to hear people about people who murdered, people who abused, people who deceived, people who schemed and scammed. Anything you can imagine. Using their power and letting it get out of control. People who have demonstrated just the opposite of humility, which is arrogance. People who have considered themselves better than everybody else and more important than anybody else. You'll find people who have demonstrated just the opposite of gentleness, which is harshness. Constantly overly stern, overly severe. Even cruel at times with dictator-like behavior. Our world is filled with those kinds of examples. But a Christ-like character is this power under control instead of power out of control. A Christ-like character is first humble and gentle, and then the Scripture says, and it's one that's patient and forbearing. Now, since Paul is writing this to the church in Ephesus, evidently the Christians in that new church weren't getting along. <laughs> Evidently, they were struggling with each other, backbiting, upset with each other. And the fact is, most of us believe in the virtues of Christ-like patience and forbearance. But only when we want it to come our way. Amen? <laughs> we believe in patience. We believe we ought to be forbearing with one another, especially when it's going to be given to us. But when it's going the other direction, it's a whole lot harder thing to do. But without patience, without enduring with each other, there can't be unity in the people of the kingdom. Without forbearance, without showing mercy to each other, there can't be unity among the people of the kingdom. You see, we're a diverse group. People of the kingdom, we've got different backgrounds religiously. We've got different economic backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds. People of the kingdom have different relational skills. Different levels of educational training. Different levels of occupational experience. We've got different spiritual gifts. Different natural abilities. We have different personal tastes. We have different recreational desires. Folks, it's a flat out miracle. That any of God's people get along. And yet diversity is God's design for his church and his heaven. Amen? That's his, that's his will. It's his will to draw diverse people from all parts of the world together into one body, all held together by the person and the character of Jesus Christ. Now, since Christ has been patient with you and me, since he has shown tons upon tons over time and time again of forbearance with you and me, 
by his power, we're to do the same for each other. So Paul says to this church in Ephesus, make every effort. Look at the word every. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And folks, when a church that's filled with diverse people live in unity, it is a powerful witness to the world of Christ's power to change hearts. You see, a a fighting, scrapping, bickering church can never prove to a fighting, scrapping, bickering world that Jesus is God. When they see us fighting and not getting along, they say, well, if if Jesus doesn't have the power to change your hearts and help you treat each other in the way that Jesus would do it, how could Jesus be God? It's a good question. People of the kingdom are unified around the world by a specific high calling from God and a specific way to live. We're unified by a specific character of humbleness, gentleness, patience, forbearance. And then third, we're united by a specific conviction. A conviction. Folks, convictions are truths that Christ followers adhere to. That we live by. That we trust. Being convicted that God's word is true, you follow it. You obey it. And when you trust and adhere and live out the basic truths of the Christian faith, at the same time as Christians around the world are living it out, the result is unity among the people of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. In Paul's day, there was religious confusion in the city of Ephesus. They were worshiping all kinds of different gods. So Paul comes and he says, there's a specific conviction, church, that you need to live by. And this conviction will cause unity among you, the body of Christ. And here it is. Paul says, live by the conviction that there is one body, that there is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were all called. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That means that regardless of our worship style, regardless of where we live, regardless of the language we speak or the color of our skin, there is only one body. And we're all united. There's only one spirit. There's only one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. And so the basic conviction unifies Christians everywhere, no matter how diverse they are. And I've been to a lot of different places around the world on on missions. And, and, And people worship differently. But when you are united under this basic conviction, the worship style doesn't matter whether it's a full band and a bunch of singers or if it's just a bongo drum that's homemade in Haiti. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. When you're united under these convictions, I'm going to go fast, so write these down. People of the kingdom are unified by the conviction that there is one body. There are millions and millions of Christians in the world, but together we all make up one body, the body of Jesus Christ. He is the head, and we are his body. We are his hands, his feet, his mouthpieces, and we're called by him to carry the message of love and grace to the entire world. Because his body includes every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. And all of God's people said, Amen. Next, the people of the kingdom are unified by the conviction that there is one spirit. 
The Christians in the world become part of the body of Christ by the work of his Holy Spirit, which is the one and only spirit that Jesus sent to earth after he ascended to heaven. And so when you ask Jesus to come into your life, forgive your sins and cleanse you of all your sins, it is actually his Holy Spirit that enters your life and cleanses you from sin and makes it possible for you to be a part of the family of God and the body of Christ. Now, in this world, there are many evil spirits. We know that to be true, but there's only one spirit, capital S, Spirit of God. Amen? And that is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Third, people of the kingdom are unified by the conviction that there is one hope. The hope is the great hope of all Christians. The hope of eternal life in heaven with God. And in that place, the Bible says there'll be no more sin, no more sadness or sickness. There'll be no more tears, no more suffering, no more sorrow. But our hope, I want you to know this morning, is far more than what we think of when we think of something that we are hoping for. The Word of God declares and assures us that heaven is waiting for all who put their trust and their belief in Jesus Christ and follow Him. Heaven, yes, is our hope, but it's far more than that. Jesus Christ Himself declares it's a place that He's preparing for us. Jesus says he's declared that he's going to come and take us to that place. It is far more than a hope. It is a sure hope. And God's people said, amen. People of the kingdom are unified by the conviction now that there is one Lord. We Christians believe in and have relationship with and we are sustained by one Lord. And his name is Jesus. Christians have no other Lord. We no longer allow ourselves to be our Lord. We have put to death our desires, and instead we follow the desires of Jesus. We no longer allow sin and Satan to reign in our lives and be our Lord. No, we've decided to be dead to the lordship of sin, the lordship and bondage of Satan. And instead we have come alive to the lordship of Jesus. We know that there's only one Lord, and his name is Jesus. People of the kingdom then are unified by the conviction that there is one faith. We Christians put our faith in one person. His name is Jesus. Because there is no other faith or person that leads to life in heaven. I've had a lot of people tell me, Pastor, uh, you believe in your God, I'll believe in my God. All roads lead to heaven. All faiths lead to heaven. I'm here to tell you this morning, that is absolutely false. That is not true. All roads do not get you to heaven. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one faith that leads to life in heaven. That's putting your faith in Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. Next, the people of the kingdom are unified by the conviction that there is one baptism. We Christians believe that there's only one baptism that really counts. You may have been sprinkled as a baby. You may have been dunked in water as an adult. And that is awesome. But alone, that will not make you right with God. That will not gain you entrance into heaven. It is only when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. It's only when you decide to die to yourself and live to Him. It's only when you decide to become dead to sin and live for Jesus that His Holy Spirit baptizes you on the inside and causes you to become a part of the family of God. No amount of water can do it. Only the Holy Spirit does it. There is only one baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit of God. 
And what we do here at Canyon when we baptize as water is we give an outward witness of what God has already done on the inward side, on the inside of us. An outward witness to what God has done inwardly. Next, people of the kingdom are unified by the conviction that there is only one God. We Christians believe that there's only one God that matters. He's the God and Father of all. He existed before all. He created all. But some of his creation will never follow him. Instead, they'll worship and follow false gods. And in this world, there are many false gods that people can follow in this world. They are the gods that the Bible calls the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Or you could simply call them the false gods of money, sex, and power. And you watch as you live out life, people worshiping money, worshiping sex, worshiping all kinds of things, power. They're following that. That's, that's all they live for. But those gods only lead to death, says the Bible. Those who worship those things and follow those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if those gods are the ones that you worship, they will lead you to eternal separation from the one true God. And there are other people who claim to be God, but they are not God. Mohammed is not God. Buddha is not God. There is only one God. And all of God's people said, Amen. Folks, there is only one. Only one. Say this with me. There is only one body. There's only one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. And those convictions, as Christians around the world live them out, unify Christians around the world, here and everywhere. We are unified by a specific calling, the calling of God to be His. And to live with him forever. And to live like him. A specific character of humility and gentleness and patience and forbearance. And a specific conviction. I call it the conviction of one. One. People of the kingdom, we are unified people. No matter where we live, no matter how we worship, we are unified by these three things. I want to say to you today, let's live in a manner that's worthy of our calling. Amen? Let's cut out of our lives anything that's not worthy of the calling that Jesus Christ has given to us. Let's live then in a way that promotes unity among fellow Christians. If somebody comes against you, somebody gets in your face, let's live in a way that promotes unity. And therefore, demonstrate the character of Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here this morning and you've got to honestly say that you're not in unity with some believer, someone in your family, someone in the church, if you're not in unity, would you pray this prayer with me and mean it and do your best to go to them and make it right? I want to encourage you, when you go to them, God's going to give you the right words to say. He's going to give you the strength to say it. He's going to be Lord of that moment. But you go and you make it right and demonstrate the character of Christ. Would you pray this prayer with me? Father, I choose today 
to forgive those who have hurt me. And I ask that you forgive me for the disunity I have caused. I commit today to do my part to heal the relationship. If you're here this morning and you prayed that prayer and you want us to pray for you, just just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I confess, I gotta go do this, I gotta work on this. Making a moment of accountability. Lift your hand wherever you are. Okay, it's good to know you're all okay. And then if you're here this morning and you're not yet part of God's family, would you pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it? Would you make this the day that you respond to his calling on your life? The day that you decide to really follow Jesus? As I pray, pray it in your heart. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for all my sins. I believe that you died to pay for my sins. I believe you're preparing a place for me to live in heaven. So I confess you now to be my Savior and my Lord. And if you prayed that prayer, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Pray for me. I confess it now. Wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? Let's pray together. Father, I pray for those who just prayed this prayer to have you come into their hearts and lives. Lord, let them have an an incredible sense as they leave this sanctuary. Lord, that you have cleansed them, you have washed them, that they are now part of your family and on the way to heaven. Lord, help them throughout this week as the evil one comes to discourage them and attack them. As the evil one comes and tries to pull any one of us down, to cause disunity or to fall back into sin, we ask in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit just come and give us a power beyond our own, that we might live different, that we might live better, that we might be the people of the kingdom of God. I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen.